welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we're librarians with the Beaufort County Library in South Carolina. And this week, we are going to be do- doing something a little bit different from what we've done before. We're going to take a deep dive into the mystery genre, which is something we had sort of talked about when we originally talked about the podcast, yeah. I think, is a possibility for a topic. And then one of our listeners, Michelle, wrote in and asked us to do something like this. Mm-hmm. So we decided, sorry, Michelle, it took us a little longer than planned <laughs> um, to get to it, but we are excited to to tackle this. And of course, this is a topic that's near and dear to your heart. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we will just get right to it, I yeah. guess. So I'm probably going to talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um. But but we we came up with some some definitions for you. So we'll kind of start out with the history of mysteries, and you'll kind of hear mystery described as um, interchangeably as crime fiction. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing research on this, then I kept I kept kind of coming up to to different sources that call it different things. Mm-hmm. So don't get confused if you see somewhere crime fiction and mm-hmm. that they're not they're not different. So so Edgar Allan Poe is credited with the first detective fiction, and that is the, the murders in Rue Morgue in, or in the Rue Morgue. I have to be exact on that. Yeah. Um, and that was written in 1841. And then throughout the 19th century, mysteries became more and more popular mm-hmm. with, with the reading public. Um, I've talked about Wilkie Collins on the podcast before, and he was so a good. huge, yeah, he was a huge contributor to the genre um, with The Woman in White that was written in 1860 and The Moonstone in 1868. And then our idea of the quintessential detective, Sherlock Holmes, was introduced by Arthur Conan Doyle in 1887 with the, the short story, A Study in Scarlet. And, um, and since then, um, they just kind of ballooned out from there. Mm-hmm. That It's really the 19th century that we see it become its own genre, even though obviously mysteries existed before that. Mm-hmm. But, but the way that they are written really was, was developed in the 19th century. And so by the 1920s, they'd become hugely popular. And that's what we call the golden age of, of the mystery genre, where you have Agatha Christie and Dorothy L. Sayers, um, who are kind of defining it in the, the British style um, during the 1920s. And then you also have in the U.S. the hard-boiled detective being introduced. And we'll kind of go into what all these, these terms mean. And those were popularized by authors like Dashiell Hammett and Raymond Chandler. And so there's kind of these two distinct sides of of the genre that are coming out but both are are incredibly popular and one of the reasons for that is because they were they were being produced in a really cheap paperback form by this point so obviously once you can make things more inexpensive for Mm -hmm. for more people to get access to them then they just become more and more prevalent in society so they became widely available to a greater audience and then children started to be introduced to mysteries through Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys and so you have a ready-made mm-hmm. um, fan base that's that's been it's into, going to grow right into right, wanting those adult ones right yeah. so that's that's really how it got started so that's a very simplified um, <laughs> history of the genre but that's that's pretty much what you can you can trace and then since then it's been a huge bestseller Right. All through the 20th century into the 21st century. So I think probably, at least for me, I find that that's what people most often yes. ask for when I they was come to the library. thinking so. that as you were saying, it's a huge bestseller. Like I'm, I don't have the statistics to, to prove the point, but I yeah. would guess if we ran the numbers just from anecdotally helping people, mm-hmm. that would be the majority of what goes out mm-hmm. on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. And that's what I'm guessing if you did crunch the numbers on the, something like the New York Times bestseller list, the majority of the books on there would be considered mysteries or th- uh, thrillers, yeah. which 
I mean, I would consider thrillers, suspense, and we do talk about mm-hmm. that, like as part of the mystery series. Yeah. Um, but a lot of of the most well known authors that are writing and that are on the bestseller list, mm-hmm. and the authors that come out with a book once a year, right, um, are or often more. or more, <laughs> or you're James Patterson and you come out with one every two weeks. With your name on it. Why? <laughs> it hurts me so much. <laughs> but so, and, and there's such an appeal there. I mean, we'll talk about the different subgenres within mystery or the types of mysteries, but, you know, there's such an appeal there for the fast paced, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. And so I understand why so many people right. read it as pleasure reading right, for, right, right. for fun and right. entertainment. And it kind of hits two different things. You, you get the intellectual exercise, mm-hmm. but then also the adrenaline of, I guess it sort of depends on the, the type of mystery, but um, but but it covers two sort of pleasure points mm-hmm. that are, are um, not always tied together. Right. So. And I think there's inherently kind of like a propulsive action to a mystery mm-hmm. because you're always trying to figure out. Right. Or you're always, the story is always going in the direction of solving whatever right. the mystery is. Right. So and there's... Even if it's slower paced, you still have that underlying yeah. forward motion. Right, right, right. Um, so mysteries can be grouped into different categories, and there's lots and lots of crossover between these, um, especially nowadays. they I think they used to be more strictly contained mm-hmm. into their own categories, but now it's it's pretty impossible to, to find really something is. that's just one of these. And even, even um, within mysteries, there's crossover and then mysteries with other genres, mm-hmm. there's crossover. And so we'll talk about that at the end. But the first, the first uh, subcategory I'll talk about, which I've brought up many times on the podcast because I love it so much <laughs> is the cozy mystery. And that's um, kind of what people I tend to, th- I think tend to think of when they, when they hear mystery, they, at least, at least for me, and I and I think for many people, when they think of like the British mm-hmm. detective, mm-hmm. that's and and sort of what mystery on PBS made famous. Mm-hmm. That's that's sort of the the trope that they're they're referencing. So in a cozy mystery, there's generally a domestic setting. The the murder is civilized, for for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. So there's it's not a violent murder. It's kind of dispassionate mm-hmm. and so so that can be like a poisoning or or it might even be a violent murder but you don't see it mm-hmm. happen. it's like off so, the page yeah and there's usually a reluctant or an amateur sleuth um, there's limited num- number of suspects and there's little to no sex so the classic example i mentioned earlier was is agatha christie and she wrote um she's famous for two two series the poirot series who is actually a, a private detective mm-hmm. so it kind of fits outside of the the amateur sleuth but but it's just all very genteel so it it still fits in and then miss marple who who's very very famous and there's other golden age authors uh dorothy l sayers wrote the lord peter whimsy um series there's niall marsh and josephine tay those are all very very famous authors that that wrote within that early 20th century golden age and there's lots of modern cozies that are coming out that have the same feel. Um, like the Alan Bradley has the Flavia de Luce series, which I think both of us really enjoy. <laughs> um, and Jacqueline Winspear writes Maisie Dobbs. Uh, Louise Penny writes the Armand Gamache series, which kind of fits into the, there's cozies, but they're also police procedurals, which I'll get into next. So they so they kind of fit two appeals if you're into mysteries. So, But then there's also the cozies that I have as my... <laughs> 
my guilty pleasure reading, which are the the kind of mass market paperback. There's a few authors that are sort of big enough that get published to hardcover, but for the most part, they're mass market and they're really associated with hobbies and and sort of leisure mm-hmm. time. So, and I would um, say typically what we would think of as like women, yeah, appealing to women, the hobbies that would, don't you think? Like I think so. Knitting, cooking. Not that men don't enjoy those too, but right. primarily would. It seems like they're very marketed towards marketed towards women. Yeah. I should say, yeah. So probably the most famous of those is is Diane Mott Davidson. She mm-hmm. writes a, a Goldie Bear catering mysteries, and those are are straight to hardcover. Yeah. But then Laura Childs writes many series. I'm always shocked at how many series she has. Um, and she has a, a series that's set in a tea shop in Charleston, which is very fun because uh-huh. it's local and that's always fun to read about and there's always lots of animal mysteries in the cozy genre yeah cats um, in particular. cats cats on covers <laughs> cats on covers <laughs> so Rita Mae Brown writes the Mrs. Murphy series which is really famous there's also the cat who did whatever yeah Lillian Lillian Jackson Brown yeah those are really those famous two, right? so um and those are those are kind of outside of the modern mass market um era of, mm. of publishing she's been around for decades yeah. so so yeah there's there's if if cozies are your thing you will find an unlimited you will never number. run out of cozy right mysteries in my head i'm going to read all of them <laughs> of course because we're going to read all the books right right i put them on goodreads <laughs> and i get so excited and and i'm sure that all of my friends are sick of seeing the the first in another cozy series <laughs> that i have every intention of reading <laughs> So up next is Police Procedurals, and I I mentioned that under uh, Louise Penny. Those are step-by-step investigations that highlight how a police officer would would investigate a crime. So usually it's a police officer or a team of officers or some elected official, um, and it always emphasizes the technical aspects of the job. So there's a balance between plot and character. Um, in, In Cozy's, I feel like there's... You'll get characters developed, but it's much, much more based on plot and and setting. I mm-hmm. would say, but with a with a police procedural police procedural that's not the easiest thing to say. It's more interested in in often you'll find damaged mm-hmm. um, police officers mm-hmm. that have some backstory that you kind of delve into at some point in the in the book. So, um, so if you think of the Wallander series by Henning Mankell and the Lee Porn and Cheese series by Tony Hillerman. I would put Tana French's uh, Dublin Murder Squad mm-hmm. under police procedurals, although there's some cozy aspects to those, I think, in, in certain ways because they're they're kind of, at least the one, I haven't read all of them, so I can't speak for sure, but but because it's a small, contained group of people, it, it's a little bit uh, more... Yeah, those seem more... Those seem dark to me to be considered yeah. mysteries, but I, or to, to be considered cozy, yeah. but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the genre as well as you do. I I totally agree, mm-hmm. but I but somehow they always because it's a contained little group mm-hmm. in the in whenever I read police procedurals I'm always surprised at how sprawling they are mm-hmm. with with different people coming into mm-hmm. it. But I think I think they should fit under police procedural. And then I haven't read the series. You put this one down. The Osmo Oh yeah, the Osmo not con the Rachel Getty and Isa Kotick, I think it is, and I, they take place in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't read them either, but I've read very good reviews of yeah, them. Yeah, there's one that just came out. That's yes, Among the, the Ruins, I think. Yes, is. in February or March, yeah, I think it just think came out. Yeah, I think the third in the series. So it's one that I have on my to read list. Me too. So when we were, <laughs> so when we, were uh, when we were putting this together, I thought, well, that's maybe a newer 
or a more recent one, maybe, because yeah. if somebody's listening to this that you do read a lot of mysteries, mm-hmm. I was trying to include maybe some people that right. were less well known. So yeah, it was about two detectives. So still considered a police procedure. Yeah, or two police. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so there's lots. Lo- it's interesting. I feel like mystery on PBS does uh, does either cozies or police procedurals, mm-hmm. and hardly anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. But but they do them both so well that mm-hmm. that if you're a fan of this genre, then you'll find all kinds of things that mm-hmm. will fit um, within within those parameters. Um, and then what I'm listening to right now is actually a hard-boiled mystery. Uh-huh. Um, that's the next genre that I'll talk about. That's the the lone wolf private detective. And uh-huh. so they're very cynical. It's about the ma- mean streets of the inner city and there's liberal violent action. So pretty much your, your polar opposite uh-huh. from a cozy mystery um there's lots of sex usually very impersonal sex mm-hmm. there's an antagonist that's usually a professional criminal in some way and when i think of hard-boiled i think of film noir that's mm-hmm. like the, the visual version of of the hard-boiled detective so i already mentioned dashiell hammett he has the sam spade series raymond chandler wrote the philip marlowe series those are both insanely famous and then current day, you have Walter Mosley writes Easy Rollins series. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now I'm listening to a James Lee Burke audiobook, and that's the Dave Robichaux series. Those those are just like cookie cutter. Right. Um, would Michael Connelly, the Harry Bosch series with that, do you think that would fall? Do you probably. Ever? I haven't read any, but from what I've, what I've heard, it sounds like it would. But also it, thriller, too. Yeah. And police procedural. Yeah. I don't know. That's Crossover. I, crossover. <laughs> See, that's so hard for me. I know. Librarians to want it to be yeah. in, a, in a neat space, but, yeah. but it's really not. There's They borrow from each other. So, um, And Sarah Paretsky writes the VI Warshawski. That's hard to say, too. Um, <laughs> series, which I have not read. Um, but there's there's a lot of people that really like the the grittiness of these books, and that's that's I think not really our thing yeah that's I yeah sitting here I'm like I could all the other ones are I've read in mm -hmm. those areas and enjoyed them but every the hard-boiled ones are my least yeah those are the ones I'm least drawn to yeah it's interesting though when I I read I read The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler for Uh my book club um maybe two years ago Uh I want to say and and it was funny to read it because it felt like it felt so uh, hackneyed to mm. me but then I had to remember this is how it started right. and then once I I sort of got past that mental hurdle I was like oh this is really brilliant yeah. because he's creating an entirely new genre mm-hmm. out of with this detective and all of the slang that that now gets made fun of it's mm-hmm. it's it's done as parodies because mm-hmm. of of how just commonplace it became mm-hmm. but but really it's there's lots of really verb interesting verbal pairing that's mm-hmm. going on and and it's it's still not my thing necessarily, but but there's still something that's sort of that's appealing to find the start mm-hmm. of a, a genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I took a class in college that was about film noir, and and there's something that's that's sort of um, be, maybe because it's so outside of my interest yeah. to, that to to see people that talk in this sort of sort of street smart right. slang that that I'm like I don't know what that means, <laughs> I, I, but I like how this is sort of playing out. It's yeah. it's it's just an interesting genre. So 
so as an offshoot of hard boiled then you get soft boiled and that's that's more gentle than hard boiled but it's still gritty so there's some violence but less graphic violence it's a little bit more comic than than hard boiled and the main character is willing to kill but it bothers them so the classic example from that would be janet ivanovich mm-hmm. which um she writes the stephanie plum series and sue grafton which i've never read a sue grafton actually. you haven't i, I haven't that shocks me i know oh they're maybe, good you should read them. there's so many of them i know i just never got into it but uh, maybe i wanted to see how the alphabet would play out <laughs> <laughs> it's almost done yeah 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 what's she gonna do after that i don't know maybe retire <laughs> yeah she's been writing these since the 80s the yeah. thing about these i find interesting is so they're set in the 80s you know, she, when she started writing them it was the 80s and mm-hmm. she's never the characters are still in the 80s mm-hmm. she's never made them contemporary to the time really? so they have to solve all the the mysteries without the use of modern technology so no cell like phones a, like historical fiction mm-hmm. oh now. now at this point yes but so that's kind of fun to read that's them fascinating. because it's more i don't want to say complex or harder but it's just a different take on how do you solve something when you don't have access to the right. internet and you don't have cell phones right so, so they're fun oh you should wow. definitely read yeah them. that makes oh, me yeah. want to get into it because i kind of thought oh they're just being no they're really good there, so but yeah, that'd be fascinating to see how she, because it's so hard. I always admire authors that write about the the near past mm-hmm. of how they make sure that they don't they don't accidentally include something mm-hmm. and like forget that Rubik's cubes weren't invented until right. whatever year or something. Right. Like there's certain certain things that they can get away with more in 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 far past historical right. fiction that if it's recent, you sort of think. Well, wait. Like, oh, iPhones existed in the 2000s, but then you realize it wasn't until 2008 or something. Yeah, that, something like that. That it's been around. So there's my my hats off to you, authors that can do that because I, I could right. not. So um, anyway, but these these it's interesting that it's all women that that are typically famous of writing soft boiled, mm-hmm. and it seems more about the the kind of hijinks that they get into mm-hmm. versus the the grittiness that mm-hmm. you find, and and it's the the detectives are 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 less um or i guess in janet ivanovich's case it's a bounty hunter but they're less damaged and more just in over their heads Mm -hmm. kind of so so if you you like the the setting of a hard-boiled mystery but don't really like the violence and the the type of uh, characterization then maybe soft-boiled would be for you yeah these are right up my alley yeah so then you find literary mysteries mm-hmm. and those they're a little bit harder to to come by I mm-hmm. think they're 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 written by authors that are generally more uh, known for writing just straight books mm-hmm. versus versus mysteries so you'll find char- uh, style and characterization that is just as important as story the the characters are multidimensional and there's a distinctive writing style and they're meant to be thought provoking and there's probably a slower pace than you would normally expect in a mystery and so that's not to say that in other mysteries you won't find all of those same characters characteristics but in literary it's just there's just more Mm -hmm. of it so so like when I talk about Tana French, I usually say these are literary books that happen to be about a crime right? Um, because there's such great characterization and mm-hmm. so much that's going on beyond just the plot. But um, but it, uh, one of the really famous examples of a literary mystery would be The Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco. That's that I think would probably be the the biggest one right. that, that got the most widespread publishing mm-hmm. um, and bestseller status. 
then another one I've read in my book club is The Luminaries by Eleanor Catton, which I think I talked about as one of my favorites Mm -hmm. of a couple of years ago. Um, Oren Pomek writes uh, My Name is Red um, and has written many many books that I think are not a series, but they're they're all set in Turkey and he's a a Turkish writer that, that has his books translated. And Isabel Allende wrote Ripper a few years ago, which was kind of interesting because it was very different from her other books that mm-hmm. she's she's very famous for. So, so so authors that are that are typically known for writing other things will sometimes throw a mystery in there, but, but yeah. still keep their same style. So that's kind of fun to see. And then we move into suspense and thriller, which which sometimes gets because it's it's more about the adrenaline mm-hmm. versus the the intellectual solving. It's kind of a little bit outside of the the puzzle side of right. the mystery, but it still sort of hits those same pleasure points right. of of having having a, a problem to right. solve. And so. you have your own. There's a whole subcategory of thrillers and suspense too. I mean, you have medical thrillers, yeah. you have legal thrillers, you yeah, have yeah, like spy thrillers. Right. So it's so funny to me. It's like they're sort of all grouped together, yeah. but then they're also. A separate thing yeah but like you said i think they there are a lot of the same appeal factors right. there if you like them one you like the other right well. right right usually when i'm when i read a book and i'm like okay i have to categorize it because because you're a library right and then i have to think okay is this suspense or is it a thriller and they're so close together um, those to me are interchangeable yeah don't there's, you think? well i think thriller has more of the professional side of it like oh, okay like like it, it's going to talk about the 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 career or the 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 professional i don't know mm-hmm. what other word to use for that but but there's something about like like we say medical thriller right. we don't say medical suspense Spence. right we say right spy thriller like right there's there's very they're very invested in that type of work right versus suspense can just be a random dude that's True. in a weird situation right so um that's usually how i have to pull it apart mm-hmm. but but i think they're they're pretty much the same thing. <laughs> so they're they're both fast moving. They're propelled by action. In thrillers, I find that there's usually large scale villainy, and suspense. It can be it often with suspense. You find that you already know who the person is, who the criminal is. It's it's just how they're going to fix the situation or or stop whatever situation is is happening. So so it isn't so much of a who done it. Um, question in the way that you find with mystery it's it's more there's a problem we need to get out mm-hmm. of this somehow so um, so Clive Kessler would be a great example of that uh, James Patterson writes his Alex Cross series that's a, another example I have Michael Connolly written down under this but I agree that it could be police procedural and hard-boiled as well mm-hmm. and then you're a huge Harlan Coben fan I am a huge Harlan yeah. Coben fan yeah and he falls a little bit under Soft-boiled, too, I would say. With the, is it the Myron? With the Myron Bolitar series. Uh-huh. He's a sports agent, and there's violence, but it's not typically very gruesome. Yeah. And that feels, I feel like that straddles that line as well. Yeah. It's hard to, to put it just one spot. Right, right, right. But he, it was funny when you talked about him coming out with his his next book. Mm-hmm. You're, it was part of the series, and I had no idea that he wrote a series. I thought they yeah. were all standalones. Yeah. he has so many standalone books, Yeah, too. he's, that he wrote Myron Bolitar the first few, I think, in a pretty regular pattern of mm-hmm. once a year, once every other year, or something like that. But then the last seven or eight years, I think only two or three maybe have come out. Oh, so okay. it's been, I think, 
when I talked about his most recent one, I think it had been five years since the uh-huh. one before that. So it's obviously he's foca- focusing more on the standalones right, now than right. he is on the Myron Boltar series. It's always interesting that of when you start paying attention to an author. Mm-hmm. And so you assume that that's like there's there's certain um, I can't think of an example right now, but like like romance authors who who started out as romance but then they moved into like romantic suspense and I only know that side of them so then when when you look them up to to find out what they've written you're like oh this I is outside no idea. of that so that's how I feel about about Harlan Coben I I would say Mary Higgins Clark is is less mystery and more more suspense do you think on that yeah, I haven't read her in a long time, but I am sure I've told you this before. Mary Higgins Clark was my jam when I was in like the seventh grade. <laughs> I think you did. Because I always liked, that was when I was starting to move into adult books, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And I would always pick the thickest ones that I could find. Right. And her mass market pa- paperbacks were always really, really thick. Right. And so I don't know that I would have known at the time the difference between mystery and suspense. Right. But I would say, yes, I think that they were what I read then. Like I said, I haven't right. read them right recently, but they were suspense and they were so good. I loved yeah. them. They scared the <laughs> pants off of me. <laughs> oh, I need to go back to her. I know. So the other thing with with suspense is that psychological suspense is like the biggest yeah. thing. Right. I can't believe how long it stuck around. I know. Too. I thought that it would have moved on to some yeah. other type of, of um, publishing fad, but it still it, is. But I have to say, personally, I am always up for a good right. psychological thriller. Right. I never. I don't care how many them. I read. I'm always up for it. Yeah. I might not like it. At, like, I might at the end think, eh, that wasn't as good as right. others, or they're they're really phoning in at right. this point. But I still, if I read the description, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, obviously, Gone Girl is the, the big kind of Recent groundbreaker of, right. of, of the genre. And then Girl on the Train was huge. I would put The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia, Patricia Highsmith as a classic example of that, mm-hmm. that that came out in the 50s, I think, mm-hmm. um, but still has all of the same um, sort of appeal. And, and it isn't so much, I mean, I guess with with both of the the Girl on the Train and, and Gone Girl examples, they there is a whodunit mm-hmm. aspect to it, but it isn't, there isn't like a detection mm-hmm. aspect. It's mm-hmm. more just getting to that final point. Right. Um, the reveal yeah yeah and in Gone Girl there kind of isn't a reveal yeah so it's it's just interesting in the different ways they play with it special flower yeah but right now you can't throw a stone in a bookstore (laughs) or library without hitting uh psychological suspense sometimes I call them domestic thrillers Mm -hmm. too that's kind Mm -hmm. of interchangeable to some degree so um but yeah, there's, yeah. there's well, and then you have something like Big Little Lies by Leon Moriarty uh-huh. that's just been made into a TV show, uh-huh. and that's like definitely what would be a domestic thriller, but in a, such a different way than something like Gone Girl. Right, is. right, right. It focuses on like suburbia and right. like, dark undertones of suburbia, right. but and there is a murder, but the cover doesn't say it's not it's not marketed thriller. as a yeah. mystery or a thriller. Yeah, yeah. it's very interesting. And so we we talked earlier about the crossover aspect of, of this. So so right now I find in libraries that we used to put labels on the spines of books so people could, like some libraries really separate their books. The, the library where I interned had all the mysteries in its own section and all the sci-fi and fantasy in its own section, and then it had the fiction section. And now that's almost impossible to do. So, so I'm curious if I were to go back to that that library to right. see how do they, they still do that. Yeah, because it's... There's just so much crossover between genres right now. I know this this when we were writing down examples to talk. I was 
I could justify basically so many different yeah. things, either falling into that category or not being in the category. Yeah. I mean, I literally was like sci-fi, fantasy, romance, like it's like tons of books. Yeah. yeah. Um, or it's sort of none of the books right. because maybe that's just its own right. category. Right. Yeah. It's really, really hard to think about. Well, oh. we love thinking about <laughs> it. So, um, so I would say historical fiction is the crossover that you kind of don't even think about because uh-huh. it's so common to find mysteries that are set in a historical time. So, but but then something like Shutter Island by Dennis Lehane, that mm-hmm. might not be something you would think of as a crossover book, but it is because it's a historical fiction book that mm-hmm. is also suspense. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I also wrote down the the uh, Her Royal Spinus series by Reese Bowen. Um, and you put put down the agency series by Y.S. Yes. Lee, which I haven't read. Which is a YA. Oh, is it? Yes, it's it a really YA good. series. Yeah. Oh, they're good. I've only read the first one, but it, it looked was good. really cool when I was was looking into it. I hadn't yeah. heard of it before. So yeah, really and cool. there, I thought it would. There aren't that many mystery series for teens, right. or like mysteries really it's for weird teens. That it so cross into that, yeah, They're more fantasy based, right? So. But then when I, the, what this is one of the first ones that popped into my head when, mm-hmm. for historical mysteries, I was like, oh, but that's a teen one, but still fits. It's, yeah, yeah. And then, um, oh well, Victoria Thompson. We've talked about yeah. her, the Gaslight yeah. mysteries, and you know. Ann Perry there's there's a billion authors that we could talk about with historical crossover mysteries Mm -hmm. and so that's why I say it's just it's not even a crossover anymore it's just how mysteries are written right a a lot of the time um and then you you, you'll get into paranormal mysteries there's the Aunt Dimity I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it I I always assumed so yeah I've just read it so um that's by Nancy Atherton and Suki Stackhouse would would fall into this with um that's written by Charlene Harris um that's so this is the one i had in fact i put i'm looking i put something that i would consider paranormal under something else fantasy mm -hmm. because to me paranormals are almost always mysteries right what i've read right there's always a mystery element to it so that's where i was bending my brain into a pretzel because i was like wait it's paranormal but it's a mystery but maybe that's just what paranormal is also kind of will fit into that too and and paranormal usually gets lumped under horror right as as the big umbrella term so yeah (sighs) <laughs> so twisty. It's hard to be yes. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, and and so was that the the Harry Dresden series that kind of fits both? Or? Uh, well, it was the Fever series by Karen Marie oh, Moaning yeah. is the one I was thinking of that I stuck under fantasy, but it's mm-hmm. it's paranormal. Yeah, it's like urban fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's paranormal. Yeah. So it's everything, and there's like a romance, a small romance uh-huh. element to it, but I wouldn't really consider it a romance. Yeah. And then, yeah, the Harry Dresden series. I don't know. There's yeah. just so many that I was like to break them out right. into sci-fi, fantasy, paranormal, they, right. and mystery. They all right. cross over so much. Because sometimes they have, like I'm thinking of the the Dark, ma- not Dark Materials, what's the name of it? The Cassandra Clare book that's City of Bones, oh, uh, Mortal Instruments. Mortal Instruments. Like there's, there's paranormal. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a paranormal series, but then there's like vampires and werewolves, which... which um, are more fantasy like there's just all kinds of side characters that don't fit into what you you want it to be so it's it's tricky so you'll get sci-fi mysteries too like with connie willis wrote to say nothing of the dog and i didn't know that dirk gently was a was a um mystery when i it's a detective he's a detective right i guess i should have thought of that because i've never read him but i just threw it in there because i was like well he's a detective 
That's got to be a mystery. Yeah, when I looked it up, I'm like, oh, this totally is. I just never thought of it that way. I never even looked um, it up. That's by Douglas Adams. I I just hadn't. Yeah. Some things you just, you just yeah, accept as right. being. Life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we already mentioned fantasy. You, you mentioned the Karen Marie Moaning mm-hmm. series. Oh, um, yeah. And then there's a Peter Grant series by Ben Aronovich? Aronovich? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you say his last name. Uh, but that's a detective who sees things. There's yeah. like a supernatural element yeah, to his solving. Yeah. And like set London. London, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. I've not read them. I know the first book is Rivers of London. Mm-hmm. It had a different title here, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have pretty covers though. So. They and they're That's supposed a good to be great. Um, and then romance crossover. Oh, which yeah. I'll so let you handle. I mean, <laughs> we could have a whole episode just on that because yeah. the romantic suspense is an its enormous thing. Yeah. Category of its own type of book. So I could list authors from here to eternity, but um, probably the best knowns would be Nora Roberts. Mm-hmm. She does both. She actually has romances that would fall into other of the mystery categories because she writes as jd robb which would be like a sci-fi yeah mystery romance series um but as nora roberts she does romantic suspense probably one book a year Mm -hmm. and then julie garwood is well known for her romantic suspense and um linda howard those are sort of like the classic romantic suspense but there are so many now i just it's i mean you have we could do this exact same Right. episode for romance and romantic suspense right. would be up maybe there. Maybe we will. <gasps> maybe we will. Then I'll get to do all yeah, the talking. Yeah, it'll just be me sitting here. You'll just be like, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, anyway, so there's lots to explore if you wanted to, to romantic suspense. Mm-hmm. And that's where there's a mystery, but the, uh, there's a very strong romantic peril. Uh, yeah, romantic element to it versus just a mystery that has romance as a subplot. Yeah. Romance takes more of the that romantic relationship is a large part of the story right right so yeah it seems like a lot of these things could go multiple directions it just depends on the percentage of right like if we were to sit down and say okay a number of pages this is covered (laughs) based on our criteria this would be romantic suspense versus like a soft soft boiled right it could go it's just a a kind of side thing yeah so if this sounds fun to you to to parse out (laughs) these kinds of things you should consider library school (laughs) This is what I love to do. Just to, to finish up, there's a few or a couple of resources that I use a lot. The The main one for mysteries is stopyourkillingme.com. And that's just a giant database of mysteries. It's There's all kinds of ways they're categorized on the site. And so you can find, like I use it for my book club all the time when I say we're going to all pick a mystery of our own choosing and then just talk about it. I usually will try that during the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, I just found out they don't really enjoy doing that. So we're not doing it this summer. (laughs) I think they liked it the first times we did it, but I think they're kind of done with, because it's typically cozies that I'll focus on since you can't really discuss a cozy, but they're such a huge part of mystery publishing that you can't ignore it either. So, um, but I don't think it's really their wheelhouse in the way that it is mine. So (laughs) no one enjoys hate reading as much as I do. I find. Um, So, so in that, on that site, you can say, I want, I want mysteries that are about a person who is a caterer or I want mysteries about a person who is a bounty hunter mm-hmm. and, and find lists of things right. like that. So and there's really, like geographic location. Yeah, and there's... there's um, lots of award-winning lists. Yeah. So there are lots of mystery awards mm-hmm. that if you're getting into mysteries could be a good place to, yeah, to try to pick for what sure. you want to read. And that has a great comprehensive mm-hmm. site of database of yeah. all the mystery awards. 
And it's really simple yes. too. The, the yes. layout of it is really easy to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to find things by by gender or by ethnicity, you mm-hmm. can look that way. They, they just have done a really great job of categorizing things. Um, and then if cozy mysteries are your bag, then there's cozy-mystery.com. And that's someone who runs a blog who just reads all of them. I'm always dumbfounded at how many cozy series she follows. I wish I had her life, basically. <laughs> Um, are there any other sites that you can think of besides those two? Those are the only. No, uh, stop your killing me. Would I didn't even know about cozy dash mystery mystery there, but stop your killing me would have been yeah. the one I would say. It they they do a great job. It, yeah. I think it's a couple that that runs it, and they they just are they know their stuff really well. So, so hopefully, Michelle, that will help you yes. on your your quest to <laughs> find mysteries. Um, hopefully, we gave you some ideas if if you're a mystery fan or or maybe you're just getting into mysteries. These are all what we would consider the starting points for for each of these different types. But if you have any other questions about it, be sure to get in touch. We're always happy, especially me. I'm always happy to talk mysteries with people. So I did. I helped with the recommendations for Michelle that we gave her. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah we, we she asked for a list and we we did a nice a nice list for her. I think it was very fun to come up with. That. It was so fun to come up with that. OK, so we'll be right back with what we're reading this week. Will they be mysteries? It's a mystery. <laughs> We'll find out. What are you reading this week? I'm reading Dory's Cookies by Dory Greenspan, and this is a cookbook. And I'm going to make a case for reading cookbooks like novels. I'm not sure if you'll if you'll agree with me by the end, but I'm going to. Um, not every cookbook will work if you want to do this. There's there are a lot that are too light on info. Like I wouldn't say read a Rachel Ray cookbook cover to cover, and that's not a knock on her. It's just that they're not set up for this kind of thing. Um, but there's a great pleasure, I think, to be found in reading a cover-to-cover cookbook mm-hmm. because they have incredible writing and they're full of information and they very often will tell a story. Yeah. So if you think about cookbooks that come out from like America's Test Kitchen, which um, also has its TV show that's really famous, or Alton Brown, they're full of science and they um, have explanations for why you do certain things in your cooking and um, why you buy certain things. There's there's just so much information and so that can really change your understanding of of food and if you're a fan of food like I am and I know many of our listeners are as well um, that can be really pleasurable and and really fascinating reading Um, and then you also have cookbooks that come out from famous chefs that tell the story of their restaurant or maybe the story of a culture so a few years ago maybe three or four years ago the cookbook Jerusalem came out and that's by Yodam Odalengi and Sami Tamimi and that is this um just hugely popular cookbook that that people kind of rallied behind in ways that I hadn't really seen before when a cookbook comes out. And so you'll find out all about this food from their hometown, but you're also going to learn about these different cultures that all come into one location that that um, is very contested and very um, controversial. But you'll you'll learn so much about about Jerusalem and and Israel from that cookbook. And I love armchair armchair traveling in that way, and that's 
you know, food is always what I'm interested in. So, <laughs> so for me, that's really pleasurable. Um, and it's really a celebration of a city. And that's, that's very fun for me. But then you'll, you'll have people like Nigella Lawson who are famous for their writing style in their cookbooks. And, and those I'll just, I'll yeah. read the entire recipe. Like it's poetry because her, her way of talking about things. I, I was looking for an example and, and I kind of ran out of time, but the, she talks about a rich and glorious cake, which I love Nigella it's Lawson. so fun to read. They're so beautiful. So so if you enjoy that kind of of um, just just interesting ways of, of looking at food through language, that's that's very fun too. So I think that Dory Greenspan hits all of these points. She's great at explaining why you're doing certain things, although she doesn't get as into the science aspect of it as as uh, normal or as the other um, authors I talked about. And she writes beautifully, and she's really conversational in her recipes. And she also tells the story of how she and her son opened a, a um, cookie. I don't know if it was really a pop-up shop, but it was only open for, for maybe two years. I, I can't remember the exact. That's called Buritzel, and that was in New York City. And she writes award-winning cookbooks just as her day job because she's great. And she often appears on NPR, and she has a column in the Washington Post, and she's super engaging and personal um, when she speaks. So if you, you ever hear an interview with her, you just want to eat her up with a spoon <laughs> my sister and i talk about her all the time on a first name basis and we consider her our best friend so, like with ina yes we sometimes talk about who we love more it's kind of ina hard for or us. dory yeah who wins usually uh depends on the day i think <laughs> who whoever released a cookbook more recently so um she so this cookie cookbook is the one she came out with this past fall and it's a delight to read it's all about the role that cookies played in her life with her family and what they mean to her personally and professionally. And she she writes it in a way that makes you feel like you're having a conversation with a close friend over over tea. So I love it. It's super comforting for me. Um, I know that cookbooks won't be for everyone to, to read, but I think that if you like food, then you should consider reading a cookbook like a novel. So that's Dory's Cookies by Dory Greenspan. I'll have to try that. <laughs> I would be interested in you trying it. I will try it. You should do that for my next out of my comfort zone. Oh, that'd be read very fun. I'll give you a Nigella Lawson cookbook <gasps> to read. All right. So what I'm reading this week is, or what I read this week, was The Book of Unknown Americans by Christina Enriquez. It is about a group of immigrants who live in an apartment complex in Wilmington, Delaware, but primarily focuses on two teenagers named Mary Bell and Mayor. And Mary Bell and her parents had lived in Mexico until an accident caused Mary Bell to incur a traumatic brain injury. And it leaves her with short-term memory problems and sort of a, just like a flat affect. Like she doesn't really laugh. She doesn't really cry. She's just sort of like monotone yeah. in, in her Neutral. In her emotions. Neutral, yes. And so her parents are distraught and wanting her to get back to the way she was mm -hmm. and they hear that there are school special schools in the United States that are public schools that you can send your children to and um, which can help Mary Bell interact with people and sort of regain some of those skills that she had before so her parents pick up and move to Delaware in the hopes that they can get help for her and get her into one of these schools they had one of the well-known schools is in in uh, Wilmington mm -hmm. so that's where they pick up and go, and they end up in this apartment complex where a lot of other Hispanic immigrants live. So Mayor and his parents came from Panama, and they have lived in the U.S. for 15 years and are, are doing okay, but just sort of 
getting by. His father is a line cook in a diner. He had started as a dishwasher busboy and worked his way up to a line cook, and he's constantly worried about losing his job. And so he always makes sure to be there on time and, mm-hmm. and to do his work very hard because he doesn't want it's imperative that he can keep his job. The families make friends with each other, their neighbors, and, and they become friends. And Mayora and Mary Bell have this unexpected connection where somehow Mayora is the only one who can draw out Mary Bell. He can get her to laugh and he seems to understand her. He seems to understand the way her brain works. And so this friendship forms and then eventually other more romantic feelings form between the two of them. And interspersed with the story of these two families are vignettes about various other people who live in the apartment complex and what brought their, them to the United States and the stories of their past and their immigrant immigration to the United States. So um, as we talked about in our spring book preview, I think, I think if the immigrant experience oh, yeah. is very on topic right now, yeah. it's this, I think, hit. I'm doing three different book challenges or four different book challenges. I think there's a category on every single yeah. one about reading a book either from by an immigrant or from the immigrants uh, about the immigrant experience. And so this was really engrossing re- read. And I liked that it, even though it focused on two families, it incorporated stories from multiple people. Mm-hmm. So you were getting a pretty broad range of experiences. Um, and again, it's called The Book of Unknown Americans by Christina Enriquez. It's very good. That sounds awesome. It was really good. We hope you enjoyed this deep dive. We don't have a list of books to read now. Yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> so it'll, and we'll do a monstrous show note yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for all of the authors we listed and any titles we talked about. Uh, again, if you have if you have any questions or want suggestions based on your interests of what mysteries to read, please reach out to us. We'll be happy to do for you what we did for Michelle. And you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com to, or find us on Facebook or on Twitter to, to ask us to do that. Um, please rate and review us on iTunes or any other podcast provider you use. Our podcast is engineered by Adam Farver. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at beaufortcountylibrary.org slash well-read, where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode. Thank you all for listening and happy reading. <laughs>